Hi, I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this is another episode of SEO's Dad and Other Lies. Ryan, how are you doing today on this, this wonderful afternoon? Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's just uh, getting into the afternoon over here. Of course, over here on the Pacific Coast, it's in the 60s, it's sunny. I'm doing my very much social distance walks every single day, I'm trying to hit that two and a half mile mark. Uh, so it's great. No, no complaints here. Have you just been living and breathing SEO nonstop? 24 hours a day because you can't leave your home yeah. like I've been doing. Right. Yeah. Yep. Reading it all in, listening to podcasts, watching videos, creating videos, reading blogs, creating blogs. It's the life. That's all that's happening. And we're here to talk about it even more than we already are. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I've been seeing a lot of posts out there on LinkedIn and just a lot of other websites, how this is really the time to invest in SEO um, mm -hmm. over a lot of other channels. Um, it's just sort of like a break and like the action to like, really, really invest in some of the, these strategies. How yep. do you feel about that? Oh, absolutely. I've been seeing it more and more, and that's why we're going to be bringing on more and more experts to kind of develop those. I don't know if they're necessarily theories. There's a lot of data that backs it up. So speaking of which, we have a special guest today, don't we? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. Well, uh, hey, Garrett. How are you doing? Welcome. What's going on, man? How are you guys doing? Great. Yeah, so Mr. Garrett Merigut with us today. And uh, yeah, I'll give you the, the pleasure, I'll extend the pleasure to you to kind of give us a little bit of uh, your background and your expertise, and we're going to hit it today. All right. So thanks, Ryan. Yeah. So I was on Fiverr six years ago, slinging social media calendars, and uh, that was kind of how I got started in marketing. Uh, I figured out how the Fiverr algorithm worked, I guess. It was like my first algorithm I ever kind of tried to understand and was like ranked really, really high for all marketing related gigs. And so I started selling a bunch of gigs on Fiverr. From there, someone, I got a couple like clients, like two clients as an independent consultant. And it was mostly just around marketing, like traditional old school stuff. Cause I wasn't that technical yet and didn't have much experience. I was like, I think I was 21, had just gotten my master's and was just trying to hustle. I'd applied to Boston, Bain and McKinsey. And I got like an auto response, like no thanks email. So I was like, all right, I'll start my own firm. And so <laughs> I figured, hey, what do people think I know? Because I'm young and I, I assume like people thought I knew the internet. So I just went on Moz uh, and kind of read everything they had written on SEO. Um, and a little bit on WordStream, a little bit on Search Engine Land, Marketing Land. And I kind of came up with this mantra of learn, engage, create. So if I learn something new every day and I engage with it, I could create something valuable for myself and for the clients. So Kind of started doing that. Uh, I got a, uh, what was it at first? It was a shawarma shop. So it was out in uh, East LA. And I uh, didn't know SEO yet at this time, but I, I set up a Yelp page for him, Facebook, was helping him get a website going. Did that for 30 days. He said, come back. Uh, so I went to get the check on the 30th. He said, come back tomorrow. Whole place was boarded up. So that was my first directive uh, client about six years ago. Yeah, from there, I was a little bummed. I got a hookah shop. He asked me to do SEO, and I was like, dude, I've never done this before. And that's when I started reading all the Moz stuff. Ranked him number one in his location for all his keywords. I was like, this is pretty cool. His shop was dead. Now it's all busy. I was like, this is great. So I went to my best friend. His dad was a plumber. Said, hey, don't go to law school. Come join this big agency we're going to make. Um, so we started with like 20 bucks with a bunch of small businesses. And yeah, now we do mostly mid-market enterprise, uh, you know, multi-location, maybe stuff like we do like all of Allstate or we'll do like, like we did a global SEO for Cisco, Tencent, Samsung. So we get to do some cool like big stuff. And then we do a lot in mid-market and then other enterprise players you might not have heard of. 
That's very cool, man. It's so weird how I think the parallels between probably like a lot of people our age, like, and getting into like this industry. Um, Cause uh, whenever you really talk to anyone, how they got into SEO, it's almost like, well, I was the young person in the company and they told me to like go build the website or something, you know? Um, yeah, and like, yeah. that's definitely like what, what happened to me. It was like, oh, we're migrating this website and do like a CMS, just start doing the SEO portion of it. So it's funny just kind of how, how people like luck into it like that. Ryan, wasn't it similar for you like that too? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I love the intro, Garrett. I imagine you being the, the first person on Fiverr. That's like, I get that things are $5, but what if they were $10? <laughs> I was pushing that was back in the day. So like six years ago, like you couldn't do all these custom gigs I see now. And like, it was all like $5. And so I was like, damn, how? So I bet my buddy, I can make a thousand dollars a month on it. And so I figured out how they kind of did the videos and the title tags and the keywords and like the descriptions. And so I got up to like where I was making thousands of bucks a month, like slinging social media calendars. That, yeah, so that's that, cool, man. I, yeah. I used to use Fiverr like a bunch and then um, like conquer.io. You've heard that before? No, not a clue. I never heard it, that. It's like um, Alex Becker. Uh, he like created this tool and it was like basically a Fiverr, but just for SEO services. Like that was it. So like you could buy backlinks oh. on it, like PBN domains, like all like the, like the, you know, gray hat, black hat stuff that you just wouldn't normally like get the expertise from, from something like a fiber. And then uh, he like sold that and then people just got annoyed with it and they built a different one called legit that exists like right now, but it was cool kind of seeing like the, it's like the exact same model, exact same business, but it's just super niche to it, um, which is pretty interesting. It's great. I mean, for certain people, it's huge. I mean, I, uh, I don't get to do like as much as the stuff anymore. It's like, I get to manage digital for like myself at directive and, I think I was number one for SEO agency for the last couple of years. And when I niched into um, enterprise and SaaS, I think now I'm like top five or something like that at national level and locations, you know, always changes it. So I still get to do some of my own stuff, but I don't, I don't do as much as I did before just because I'm kind of busy being like boss. Unfortunately, I still get to push the buttons and, you know, be a little dangerous. You can, you can be the undercover boss and come back in as an intern and see what happens from the ground up. Oh man, that'd be all time. You can do outreach link building, but uh, yeah, before we uh, keep going, yeah, uh, Paul, you were saying too, didn't I start that way? I feel like for a lot of SEOs, it's a rite of passage to, to randomly work for like a restaurant or a bar and then also get stiffed because <laughs> that's what happened to me. <laughs> it's like my second or third client was working. Uh, oh, you did some SEO? They didn't pay you? <laughs> yeah, well, they well, the difference is they didn't board up. They still existed and the, and the owner very much was still operating and very much had the cash, but was keep, kept on making excuses. So once, once the... Uh, I guess the debt hit around $10,000, which is, I learned that the hard way, like a very long time ago, probably six, seven years ago. I didn't really collect all the money, but I did throw one of the best parties at that restaurant that I've ever been to, to, to be able to handle all that debt. Yeah. And then when I first got started, I think first years I got stiffed, I think 75 grand by somebody. It's fun. Yeah. It it happens for sure. Yeah. You learn though, after you get beat up a couple of times. Yeah, certainly. So uh, as far as topics today, you know, this is an exciting uh, introduction. Appreciate that background, seeing things from the ground up, gain, gain, burn, learning the hard way. You know, we've been there, we've made it work. So um, the first topic I want to talk about when we were kind of brainstorming some of the directions we'd go in is um, you mentioned that you have um, a pretty unique approach as far as doing SEO and it's not necessarily leveraging the website as much as branding. Is that kind of how you, how you look at it? Yeah, man. I mean, what I love about search engines is getting out of the tool and getting into the search engine. I think that's like the most important thing for SEOs is to try to get rid of our blinders and get rid of our uh, assumptions and take our experience with a grain of salt. And so what I mean by that is 
Uh, I have this thing I call the Yelp and the Amazon effect. Okay. And, and this is really important for small businesses and local businesses, as well as like software companies who we work with mostly now. But when you search something like uh, best restaurant in Austin, or you modify any of like a, a business's keywords with purchase intent, essentially it used to be that there was this hypothesis that we had as SEOs that like we could rank for anything we wanted as long as we got our page authority up or enough links or good enough content or we internally linked well enough, or it was fast enough, or it was pretty enough. And the truth is, is like, there's certain types of queries now at the bottom of the funnel, when you have the strongest ROI and the most participant, that your actual website isn't gonna rank well for, and you're better off getting creative. Like, how do I reach out to all the, you know, food bloggers in my area so that they cover my restaurant or that I'm on that listicle? Okay, I can't get on that listicle, but I see that they're doing Google Display Network. How do I get my placement on there so that I can essentially do like a direct managed placement so it looks like a native ad when there's purchase intent? How do I, you know, get creative in GMB on Yelp? And how do I get my categories right so essentially I'm not wasting ads because there's no keywords on Yelp, it's still ads, right? And like when you start learning all the nuance of it all and you get out of this idea that I have to rank my website, that's when you become a great SEO in my mind. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that Paul and I have had a dedicated podcast uh, strictly to like, why do directories rank so well? So for like small businesses that, you know, we talk about yeah. them pretty often, we know that Google is like very proactively differentiating results just because of the sake of having different things to choose from and, and excluding websites when they very well do have the authority and the intent and the optimization to secure that position. They'll still throw in a freaking directory that is not even optimized well, just for the sake of switching it up. And so we see SERPs that, that are all over the place and we look at it and we're frustrated, but we also know it's like you're saying Google is, is offering different kinds of results. Yeah, I mean, I think it's beyond though just diversification. I think it's due to them under, truly understanding purchase intent. And what they're realizing is that consumers have changed, right? Like if we look at reviews before we buy a $5 breakfast burrito, we're gonna look at reviews before we buy a quarter million dollar software. And so, Essentially what's happening is like Google is recognizing that individuals, when they know that a query, they understand the entity, right, of a query and they know that there's purchase intent, they want to surface essentially aggregator sites that present multiple options. So it looks like it was a peer decision instead of individual options through individual small businesses or websites. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I know, you know, part of my background um, is in the legal industry. So, you know, directories are are pretty big deal in, in, uh, in like the lawyer space. Uh, a lot of lawyers spend a, a bunch of money to pay for uh, for ad placements um, and then to just be at the top of like, it's sort of semi-organic search within those websites, right? They, they spend just a bunch of money, a huge portion of their budget on those directory websites. One of the things that I've always liked doing is sort of use Barnacle SEO, which is a great strategy where you kind of take your profile in that city on that website, maybe it's a Yelp, build a bunch of links to it. You'd be amazed like how many links you can point out like a Yelp profile and it not affect it, that website negatively at all. So like that's, that's a little useful tip if you're out there listening, you're like a local business owner, maybe you're having a hard time, you know, up to the top of the pack there. Uh, maybe there's like two or three Yelp results. I know I see it now in the industry that, I, that I'm in, you know, we have you know, over 600 locations and every now and then it'll be, you know, one and two will be like a Yelp, a Yelp uh, query for that but we just point a bunch of links at that and, and push up our, our real profile to the, to the top actually. Here's a, let me have some fun with you guys. So check this out. Here's what I do too. Uh, and this works in any industry at scale. So I'll do like essentially like an opportunity analysis in my keyword research. And then what I'll find 
is keywords that are very, very large. Like, so like a couple, like three years ago in 2017, I did this and it was so good for me. So I wanted to rank number one for B2B SEO. So I wrote essentially a post for search engine journal on B2B SEO. And I ranked number one for like two or three years for B2B SEO and then controlled exactly what you need to think about when hiring a B2B SEO agency. So I set the perspective. So essentially what I do yeah. is when I'm working with a startup or a website that doesn't have enough authority and, and that I can't go after these larger top of funnel kind of canvassing terms, I create essentially all the content that I want to rank for on essentially publications. And then I rank through them and then essentially drive that to my website from there. It works really well. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you don't, I think what Paul was saying too is if it if it doesn't really position where you want it to after you're done writing it, we'll we'll actually do like a pretty proactive link building campaign to but put it even further up. So I, I would say like what what you're doing with with those articles is even more useful because people are actually going to read those articles, right? They're not just doing them for for random link building to push back to your site. Th- your site, you know, when people go to search engine land, like you generally read the, the whole article that you're looking at, right? Like there's yeah, and I'm trying to website. control that narrative, right? Because I offer yeah. B2B SEO. So I want to essentially set the stage for what they should expect, what they should be asking, and then prove my authority, right? And then what yeah. I can do then is because I rank well there, I'll hyperlink back to my service page with the title tag B2B SEO agency. And then I rank number one for B2B SEO agency for many years, just through that, uh, you know, approach. And it was great for, you know, onboarding enterprise and large accounts. So when you, when you started doing that, um, did you find it difficult to break in with those websites to get uh, your content published? Yeah. You want to hear how it all happened? Yeah. That's what we're here. That's what we're talking. All right, man. So we have a fun story here. So I don't really have much skills other than hustle, I guess. And so (laughs) what I did was, uh, so about five years ago, I wanted to become Moz local recommended and David Mim used to be at Moz back at this time. And so what I did was I decided I'd build a relationship with him and everyone else. And this is the coolest part about link building that no one does. I just called them all. So I called everybody who was Moz local recommended and let them know about the content I was writing and pick their brain about their stuff. And I had some new tactics I was testing that were working well. And I'd kind of give away secrets, quote unquote, And one of the women I called was Miriam Ellis. Um, And she, unbeknownst to me, was in charge of what was, I think, back then, the Moz 7-pack. Because it used to be like a 7-pack, I think, when it was. And she would send out this local SEO newsletter. And so she featured my content, which I told her about, like my tactic, you know, because I wanted to learn how she grew her business. I was starting with, you know, 20 bucks. I didn't have anything, you know, at the time. And And so... Uh, she helped me, you know, it was really nice to me. And I said, said, look, I got these two articles I wrote. I think you'll really like them. At the time I figured out how to create a Zapier bot that would scrape based on proximity on Twitter. Anyone who tweeted from one of my coffee shop clients, anything from that location. And then I Mm -hmm. pre-programmed like 10 different responses that it would like or do since they had no resources. And so I showed how you could essentially create your own bot for social media for a local business. Well, she featured it in there. So then what I did is once that went live, I took a screenshot of that. And then I reached out to every other SEO software and said, featured by Moz, would love to publish for you. And instantly, I, I guess, posted for like 15 sites within a month. Whoa, that is pretty cool. <laughs> That's a pretty good story, man. That's like the whole business is like that, man. Just trying to hustle and be creative yeah. and do good work. And yeah, just relationship building, which is the real yeah. key. 
Yeah, and now we now we have the explosion in podcasts, you know, in the past few years. So <laughs> there's always that that form of networking too. You'd be on my podcast, I'll be on your podcast, and a lot of this content right. goes out. It's uh, kind of uh, transformed into videos. It's transcribed into content. So yeah, we have a lot of other opportunities too. So um, well, one thing I've seen also is like where people are kind of like collaborating. Like, oh, I had you know 50 experts on this are you know, you know saying you know what one thing they think about x have you have you done anything like that with any any positive results in your space yeah yeah so i mean uh, about a couple of years ago once again uh, i wanted to rank number one for seo experts and so i did a roundup post and i did it worked really well there's a guy named conduit or conduit shout out that guy uh i can't remember how to say his last name but he uh organized the whole thing for me it was only like thousand bucks or something like that and I got, I think a ton, I think it was like over 40 links back to the post and it did really, really well for me for a lot of years. And that was, yeah, really, really successful. You know what I do mostly now, I think I did about uh, 50 or 70 podcasts last year and I'm probably going to try to do like a hundred this year. But I do most of my link building through podcasts because you all need guests, right? Your whole medium of content is that it's an interview. And so it's a lot easier to secure those pitches. Like guest posting, I have about a 50% secure rate and podcasting, I'm exponentially above that. So yeah, I do a most of my link building actually now my best strategies are around podcasts for sure. I mean, our, our acceptance rates for guests is probably closer to 10%. <laughs> so yeah. we don't typically, we don't, we don't just be like, sure, come on in. Like people do pitch us and we're like, nah. So well, um, I built up my, you know, like I have a better bio now and I've kind of earned it, but yeah, at first it wasn't as high for sure. Yeah. It's definitely a really interesting medium that I think is like still not really hit its peak yet, but it has grown a lot over, over the last couple of years what's cool about those there's like there's a niche for anything really so you know if you're if you have some some business some small local business or whatever i mean maybe even think about that as like uh as a potential outlet of trying to get backlinks as well there's a lot to, to what you said like people are always looking for people to interview that are experts on things especially if you have a podcast yeah here's how you they, they, they can find it um so if yeah. they go to player.fm forward slash featured uh you can find every categorical industry that there's a podcast in and then you can essentially scrape that list using import.io, put that into a Google sheet, and then you can build outreach cadences around that. Um, and that works really well for us. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a great strategy. Garrett, how many podcasts did you do before this one? How many are you going to do afterwards today? I don't have any today. I think I've done probably like four this week though. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I try to do my, my job, right, is to help other people. I, I try to do, you know, one, if anyone's listening, they want to follow, I do like one post a day on Twitter or LinkedIn that like my version of a blog post. And so I'll walk through like some of the creative ways I try to do SEO or PPC or advertising or sales development. Um, so if you're kind of interested in growth and how that works, yeah, I try to share something almost daily and it's pretty thorough. It's usually, you know, like a thread with like six tweets with screenshots and like a step-by-step process. Yeah, I think that we're, we're definitely in a great phase, especially when people are widely adopting Zoom, regardless of what's going on nowadays, where it's just like, it's easy to get a thought in your head and it's easy just to do a, a screen share, record something, disseminate it, even like edit it before post-production. It's just easy to get your ideas to um, consumption and just it's just like no time at all if you're not going like over the top with, you know, production afterwards. That's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Um, there's a lot of people that are taking advantage of, you know, the, the crisis and they're putting out a lot of information with that, a lot of, you know, supporting facts or data too. On the other side, you know, marketers tend to be opportunistic. So uh, people to rush with things when they feel like there's an opportunity. But, you know, either way, I guess that's uh, up to you to do your uh, due diligence to know if it's legit or not. I think the the truth is, is like, you know, organizations like Barstool, for example, are, you know, going after people like ESPN and trying to take market share 
through their podcast. I, I think a lot of organizations, especially in media, I mean, the, the CPMs they can charge at an ad level are great. And yeah, it's, it's podcasting. It's like anything though, you know, anything in content where there's no barrier to entry, you just can't suck if you really want to do well. Right. Like, so the more you put into it, the more you get out and it's all about consistency. Obviously you guys do a ton of episodes. You all are pros at this. So you guys are obviously doing really, really well. But I think that's the other part, you know, what I've seen in my own network is, you know, I spoke at, I think 30 events last year, but I still didn't have an audience because I didn't take the time. It's a lot of work to build an audience. I think it's a lot. I think the part people don't get about content marketing is creation is actually the easiest and the hardest, but the absolute hardest is an audience. And so like creating is such a pain for our clients, for myself. It's like a real struggle to have that consistency and to have something that's nuanced and different and resonates. But then once you do that really well, there's a whole other part of the game, which is actually building an audience. So it's, it's been a kind of uh, interesting journey for me trying to figure this all out. Cause I definitely don't have it figured out. I'm just still trying to build that audience. Well, we know what you, what you mean, man. Um, I think it took us a year to really get any kind of traction. So for the first year we were just doing it high five. And when we got, you know, to 60 downloads on an episode, right. I think uh, podcasting is, is the only medium where it's a little more forgiving when the quality isn't as, as good when you start out. Um, and it and it gets better and better as you go along. YouTube, I think uh, it can be kind of disastrous if you if you stick around sort of with, with low quality video and like you don't really know what what, you, what you're doing or what your niche is. But yeah, um, I mean, I I try to do video. I think I did like 80 videos on 2018, and I would get like 20,000 views, you know, but I couldn't get an audience. That's the craziest part, is what I mean. Like, it's one thing to get the the stuff; it's another thing to get the audience. It sounds like you're on the right track though, Gary. I mean, even the, the few things you've mentioned as far as like, you know, clever ways of doing outreach and then building momentum for that, talking about bots. I mean, they're unique topics. Those are the topics that I don't like hear every day. So. Yeah. Oh, thanks guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to be a lot more raw too and just be like, yeah, I don't have this shit figured out, but like, did we grow like crazy? Yeah. Have we been really successful? Yeah. I mean, do I know why? Not necessarily, but you know, <laughs> just keep busting my butt and trying to share everything I learned so that, other people can maybe do it faster, you know, cause I didn't, no one ever yeah. taught me any of this stuff. So I get to just kind of screw around with it. So, um, SEO has changed like a, a lot over the past six months, particularly mm-hmm. going back to like November. I don't know if I've seen a time where there's been such substantial updates to the algorithm in my like 10, 10 year career doing this, um, as in like this past like six months, but then to be hit sort of with this virus, which has sort of turned the industry on its head, people losing clients, smaller businesses, losing clients left and right. Where do you think the algorithm is heading going forward? I love this stuff because no, no, I love it. Cause I don't give a shit about algorithms. And so like, I I'm like the antithesis SEO and I have so much success and fun by just like being a marketer who is technically able to do world-class SEO. And that's my, like, that's my belief is like, if we get rid of this idea that like the algorithm affects us and get into this idea that says, how well can we meet our audience's needs and satisfy their intent and like get out of our tools and into the SERP and just become better at like the problem with SEO and so many people is they try to scale, right? So like I have the blessing of like, I think we, I got all say when I was like 22 or 23 years old and we've had the blessing of still having them today. We rank them number one for car insurance. We rank them number one for auto insurance. Like we've gone through all these things, these massive websites and gotten to do all this fun stuff. And all the success has always come down to just like kind of pulling your head out of your butt and thinking for yourself and looking at whatever's going on 
in a SERP and saying, are we the best answer? Like, is our site faster than everyone else's? Like, did we actually build content clusters around this topic and properly internally link? Have we got anybody from the media to cover us? Hey, have we actually worked with that PR team or that other business unit that well? Hey, have we ever mined our search term report and done an engram analysis to see what title tags like what individual terms have the highest CPA that we can integrate into our content strategy? Have we ever gotten creative with like a, maybe a partnership badge and then use the JavaScript spinner so it would rotate anchor text and destination URL so we could scale? Like when you actually start getting creative and slow yourself down, that's when your SEO campaigns come to life. So I don't worry about the algorithm. I know nothing about algorithms like now, like what happened with this, what happened with that. I just know that like I go look at a results page and I say, cool, what's my client not have that this client has? I'll run it through ClearScope. I'll run it through Content Harmony. I'll go look at this and say, oh, cool, they talk about these entities. I don't. They've got three links. I got one. Okay, I should probably get four. Hey, they're using this schema. I'm not. Hey, their site's fast. Mine's slow. And like when I start doing that and I get rid of, it's like this idea of life, right? Like when you say I'm powerful and I don't give a shit what Google does, I know what I can do. And I just put the control and the onus on myself. I, I feel like I can do anything. I mean, that's really good advice, right? It sounds like you're just being a marketer. And I think uh, that's one of the biggest disconnects between people and SEO. And what they're really doing Definitely. is like a lot of people just do SEO. And they don't think of themselves as a marketer. They're doing kind yeah. of tactics or whatever. That's the problem with SEO Twitter, man. It's like this echo chamber of people trying to impress each other. Like they can SEO off each other. It's like, dude, nobody in SEO Twitter pays you. Go worry about your clients and then go worry about like doing marketing stuff. Like it's great that you can do this Python scraping, but you should probably read a book on leadership. It's great that you can do this, but have you ever like done a content art? Can you build links? And like, so the silliest part is like the less you do an SEO as an SEO, the better you are. And so the more, like what I try to help my team with is the, the less often you wear your SEO hat and the more often you wear your content, your PR or your branding or your creative hat, that's when you're a great SEO. I mean, we know how to get links all day and, and a lot of SEOs don't. So we know that we're building the authority. So, you know, everything else comes after that. You know, we, we know that we're building like the right authority. Then we have to look at the content, the PR, other things you're, you're, you're talking about. Yep. And then in addition to that, I mean, I don't really typically, I think in my, I have to take a step back. And when I look at SERPs, I'm always just con concerned with like, where's my client's website within this search query, where it should be more like, what is like this the results page as a whole and what can I be doing more to, to get more positioning within it besides just like my website. It's like you're saying, it could it be sponsored uh, sponsor content or article submission or a, a news article? Can it be promoting additional pages on my website? Sometimes you gotta look at you're more. You're so spot on right now, Ryan. Like, well, yeah, like my take on it is this idea, right? So like the, the biggest fallacy in SEO is that SEOs think that to drive more results, they need to make rank for more keywords. Now the problem with going after more keywords is you have diminishing marginal returns because if you start at the bottom of funnel, every net new keyword moves you further and further to informational intent and further away from action. So if you shift from this volume approach, like I call it breadth to depth, you're incredibly successful. I know that how we can do that for, for you know, bigger brands, established brands. I know that it can certainly still translate to smaller businesses. So is there anything you can like kind of you know, put yourself into like kind of Joe Schmo's auto shop and he's, he's yeah. I don't know if it has to be something like that, but how does that kind of translate for people that maybe don't have like a team or the resources or, or the cloud and branding? No, I love it. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to find my most profitable segment as an auto mechanic. Okay. So the, the fallacy is you need to rank for auto shop first, right? So what I want to first say is, okay, cool. 
Uh, I got the best margins. I have the best offering and I have the best staff around Toyotas. Okay. So I want to be known now as Toyota mechanic in my city. Right. And I know, and people don't search by County. People don't search by state. So don't worry about that. We just want to go really within this radius. Right. So first thing I want to do is I want to make sure I'm positioned for my primary most profitable product service or line. Okay. So let's say I'm a Toyota uh, mechanic, whatever that term is. Right. So now I start there and I make, and then what I do is I put the word Toyota mechanic, let's say into keyword magic tool and SEM rush, or I write Toyota mechanic and then underscore, which is called the wild card into Google. From that, I'm going to see the top search things related to that query. And I'm going to make sure I have content around those topics on my website and that all of those topics internally link back to my Toyota mechanic page on my website. Now, once I've done that, I'm going to go and I'm going to look at every review site and every third party site that exists. I'm also going to see if any like OC register, if you're in Orange County or whatever newspaper is, they've ever covered it. I'm going to go do the local links, right? So I'm going to search business directory in my city. I'm going to go get as many of those as I can. And I'm going to do all the basics, right? Once I feel good about that, I'm going to go on social. I'm going to set a radius of 15 miles and I'm going to deliver impressions to my audience at the essentially people who own Toyotas at the best rate possible. And now I'm going to drive awareness at the top and I'll capture the demand at the bottom and I'll have customers calling me 24 seven. Do exactly that. Uh, I don't know if we could break it down any more simple than that. And then as far as like, you know, there, there are content contributions when it's a smaller business. I mean, are they pursuing it like, um, like the news or they pursuing like journals, community related websites? How are people doing that in that scale too? Yeah. I mean, if you could like, I, I don't see, I don't do as much on the SMB space now, but back when I was, and I was hustling all this, like patch was big. There's usually like these neighborhood content sites. So I'll kind of like search location plus blog and that can start to do some stuff. I actually I did a fun test and it worked really well for me. So uh, I built, I opened up a bunch of remote offices and then I used something called Zipsprout. And what Zipsprout does is they, uh, they build relationships with nonprofits. So this is a cool tactic for people. So what I did is I would donate to a nonprofit and I'd get a tax write off. And in return, they would put myself as a sponsorship logo on their site. And then I would get a link back to my location page. And so I was able to, and those nonprofits all operated in that zip code. And so essentially I did local link building at scale at a national level through sponsoring nonprofits. And it was awesome. Now you're speaking Paul's language. Technically mine too. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty cool tactic. We, we talked about, um, uh, I was at a place one time and we were, we were about to launch a whole like 5k just for like the backlinks <laughs> that we were going to get, um, from promoting and stuff. Um, but that's a cool, that's a cool little tactic to, to get some localized uh, backlinks right there for sure. Yeah. One, yeah. It one, worked. I ranked number one for SEO agency Los Angeles in like two weeks from doing it. It was pretty fun. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. In addition to that, I know that there was um, one way to do this and, and you could probably take this logic and apply it to different things. But um, Paul and I've really done a lot of link building campaigns by seeing a link building opportunity that's like associated with something particular and then doing that search. So for example, a lot of not, uh, not for profits will have some sort of like payment portal and it's like very specific for their type of business. Mm -hmm. And then if you like copy the URL, that's very, very consistent for like their payment portals, you'll see every single website that has it. And it'll be like hundreds and hundreds of similar websites. So that kind of mentality, taking like a URL structure or taking like a, yep. uh, a string of de uh, text that's associated with a certain type of website, you'll, you'll be able to get a lot of results and duplicate it a lot of times. Oh, I love that. I love where his head's at. 
So uh, one question we ask all of our guests uh, is to tell a horror story of something that, that's happened in the, in the industry. So we're wondering if you had one of those. A horror story? How much time you A horror that? story. Just something that, like no, where it went real bad. Limited to <laughs> a half an hour. Okay, thanks. No, um, <laughs> I, uh, I always try to keep myself above reproach. So like I don't get in the mud. So I can't like interpersonal. I don't really have any. Let me think outside of that. It could be like um, early on in your career, like a campaign yeah. you're working I mean, on you or mentioned like that, that you got stiff for 75 yeah. grand that to me would be a horror story for most that's people. like that's a really good one yeah so something along those lines yeah, yeah i mean yeah there's some pretty crappy people out there sometimes so um i was uh working with a very large adoption agency ironic right so you'd think like i was helping like families who couldn't have a child you know become whole in their mind yeah um so essentially what would happen would be uh I'd say, hey, uh, where's our invoice? They were our biggest client at the time. So that's how they kind of got away with this game. And they'd say, oh, uh, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. It's, and they, they'd always do this on Friday. And so then uh, the weekend would come along. Obviously, I'm not reaching out. I'm trying to be with family and stuff. Uh, Monday comes along. I go to the mail. Nothing there. Tuesday, nothing there. Wednesday, I send another email. Hey, you know, nothing in the mail. And they're like, really? All right, uh, let me double check with the county. I'm going to send it right now. So they do that like three times. And then they send it. So they're always like a month behind on every invoice now. It's adding up. And then they'd send it. I go to deposit it. And then the account, like the check would be void. And so like it wouldn't deposit. So I'd call this guy back and I'd say, okay. He's like, oh, no, no, no. It should work. Take it back. And then, but he knew that you couldn't take the same check back. He's like, oh, crap. Okay, I'll get another one in the mail. That went on for like, you know, three months. The next thing you know, I'm 75 in the hole. That's crazy. And then at the end. He, I said, look, dude, we're going to have to take you to court. Like, cause we've done all the work, by the way, we were working the whole time. Like this is, I've never sued anyone in my whole life. I still haven't to this day. And I was like, Hey, what the heck? Like, we're going to, I don't want to do this. He's like, look. And then, so he sends me a letter in the mail saying, I won't sue you if you drop if you don't, if you drop it. And I was, and he was a lawyer. So they were a law firm for adoption that people don't know that adoption agencies are actually law, law firms. So he was going to just eat his hours. And I was like, all right, whatever, man. And so I just like ate it and, uh, Moved on with my life and didn't let it slow me down. Doesn't that just Brutal. piss you off though? Still, like, just like I would never I'm do good that with it. to anyone. I, you know why? Because like I can't control what people do to me, but I can control how I respond. And so I just went after it. I went and got bigger clients, and now they'd be a little one. I would say that definitely counts as a horror story for sure. Does that mean you don't work with lawyers anymore? <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't think I have worked with lawyers since then. I am. It's a. Uh, well, and they're just tough because their industry, like the on, on the paid level, like if you try to deal with them, like you're talking 120 dollars cost per clicks on the, you know, on the uh, personal injury guys, and then they're uh, they like don't want to spend any money, and then they want like only good lead. It's just really lawyers is tough, man. If you can win in that space, like you know, power to you. For me, I'm like a pretty like real and authentic and like just transparent and like. I don't know. I like to think I'm a man of character and there weren't as many men of characters as lawyers. Unfortunately, is what I found. That's funny. It's my, my agency is like almost more than 80% law firms. <laughs> so that's welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I don't know. There's this like weird com like lawyer complex that I can't put my finger on, but it just wasn't my vibe. I, I like to work with really like authentic, passionate marketers and not like I've learned that I, I don't like working with business owners. Uh, I like working with marketers. And so that's kind of why I went to mid-market and enterprise. I like to work with professional marketers. It's just a lot more fun. 
Yeah, I hear you. I, I, have, I have both. Uh, sometimes point of contact is a lawyer that's uh, definitely involved. And then some, a lot of times it's like they're in-house marketing. So yeah, it's a unique industry. That's for sure. Yep. Oh man. I like got into the, I got into the job force when it was like 2009, when there were like no marketing jobs, Orlando, Florida, you know, so like I just, what people don't know about Orlando is it's like a hotbed for online education companies. So you have, there's like 15 of them here. So I had to start out in like the for-profit industry uh, and I slowly dragged myself up from, you know, uh, trashy industry after trashy industry to actually be in something that I, I think is like respectful. <laughs> so pretty much if I could have just had payday loans, I would have had like the full sweep of like real sketchy industries working in, you oh, know, like you didn't forget about insurance. You haven't done anything like that yet. Right. Well, technically I work for an insurance company now. Um, uh, since we were, uh, I was acquired uh, by a very large insurance company, but okay. I guess that's a stretch, uh, but. Yeah, so we're, I guess we're about wrapping up. I think that um, one last thing is if there's maybe like one piece of advice that you can give our listeners or one brief topic that we didn't cover today, is there anything in particular you want to impart on our listeners that we haven't already? Yeah, I think two kind of principles of SEO, I think are really, really powerful and unlock your ability to be successful. Uh, One is that you should never try to make your, like your goal should not be to rank your website. Your goal should be to rank your brand. And so if you change that like fundamental hypothesis of what you're doing, it allows you to decrease your time to drive results because you can essentially pay to play by leveraging review sites and other websites when you don't have the authority or the content. Uh, So that's always, I think, the most powerful thing you do. It also opens up your mind to so many more creative ways to acquire customers, uh, which is important. So, you know, brand is greater than website, number one. And then number two, Google ranks pages, not websites. And so if you start to realize that you need to rank a page, not a website, you can become hyper-focused and creative around solving searcher intent with an individual page. You can also become a lot more focused with your link building. And so by narrowing yourself into pages and then expanding yourself from website to brand, uh, you can become a world-class SEO. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for being on. We, we really appreciate it. Um, is there any shout outs that you want to give? Uh, any websites, anything like that? Yeah. Shout out directiveconsulting.com forward slash Institute. Uh, everything I've been talking to you about, if you ever want to learn how I kind of think and how my agency thinks and how we go about stuff, the people here are way smarter than me. Uh, and they put together some really, really world-class content. It's only $39 a month. And we give away every one of our spreadsheets, templates. If you are an agency and you struggle uh, training people, onboarding your team, uh, all of that stuff, and you want something that's more up to date than distilled you, or some of the legacy stuff that's out there, uh, I hyper recommend checking out the Institute. Uh, it's great. And if you're a mid-market enterprise company looking to really grow, uh, I'd love to talk to you about our services. So, yeah. And I uh, just want to say thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Be sure to like, share, or subscribe anywhere that you see us. Ryan and I get, get back to our listeners very, very quickly. Uh, if you leave a comment on our YouTube channel, send us an email at uh, seosdeadandotherlies at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be sure to respond to it. We love hearing from you guys and uh, we've had several guests on our podcast that, that have just been listeners that have, that have uh, emailed us in and asked to be on. So we, we love hearing from you guys. I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this has been another episode of SEO is Dead and Other Lies. Bye, Paul. Bye. Have a nice rest of your day, okay? Bye.